So what's the easiest way to get more traffic to a website? Yeah, because like, that's an easy question. If, if, if you're in small business, you'll get people ringing up and going, yeah, I'll get you to the top of, top of Google. And, and most <laughs> people normally run a mile because if anyone actually truly knows. But probably the easiest way is to write good content on really specific topics. Mm-hmm. So probably a great example is my wife and I, we used to run a, um, an online pet food and for the store. And, and we just wrote really, really specific blog posts on really specific topics about mm. the type of products. You know, which of this type of product should I choose? And even in our own business, we've written blogs, say for example, um, the importance of a good about us page on your website. And it's quite a long kind of obscure phrase. And for many years, we were getting a huge amount of traffic. Yeah, I think we started this content program in like 2013. And for years and years and years, that blog just consistently delivered and, and one that's working pretty well now. That was Grant Johnson, CEO and co-founder of Rocket Spark. And for more than 10 years, they've been dedicated to making it easier and more affordable for businesses to have a beautiful and effective website. And in this episode, we talk about how to write good content and why it's so important, what to focus on to get more traffic to your website, how a good blog post can generate traffic for many, many years, what is search engine optimization and why you should focus on it? Some of the awesome blogs that Rocket Sparks put together, the Rocket Spark journey from 10 years ago to now, why designing your website with a mobile first philosophy is a winning tactic, advice for a person with a business idea that's not yet built up the courage to back yourself, and why investing in a good website will help your business grow. Welcome to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast, delivered to you by DHL, helping connect your business to the world. Kia Craig. Nice to see How you. are you? Oh, nice to hear you. Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for uh, having me along. Awesome. So today I like to crack straight into things and we're going to get straight to our questions. So what I do for podcasts is I send questions in advance. Some people read them, some people don't, but that's all good. I like to give people some level of preparation but i always start with the very same question and that is in two minutes or so it would be great to understand a little about you and your origin stories so from where you started um to where you are now and also your first ever job so the first time you've got any sort of financial reward for doing something um, let us know what that is so i'll hand it over to you yeah thanks craig um yeah, so in terms of my story, I grew up in uh, Narohe in Waikato. Uh, Dad um, and mom had a trucking business there mm. and kind of, I guess, always saw kind of their life in business and, and sort of the hard work and stuff. And, and then went off to um, management school later on after finishing high school and did a, a management degree and then kind of moved into um, actually accounting of all things as an accountant, but only lasted a year. And it was back in the day pre-zero and those sort of software and it was just kind of very manual and it was just like it wasn't for me and so it was just a year later I moved into into marketing roles and that kind of took me to, to Auckland and then around the world kind of doing doing marketing in terms of what you could do to understand customers and develop products to basically help people spend more money with that business was kind of the basic basic idea of of those um of those roles it was with Vodafone in, in New Zealand and then um, uh, um, Royal Bank of Scotland and then in the UK I got a job with Freesat which was like a startup 
satellite TV company. It was funded by BBC and ITV, two of the big TV companies. And that introduced me to kind of this idea of you know, a small venture starting up. And, and that was pretty cool. And then my wife got a job with the America's Cup in Spain, in Valencia. And it was like, I was coming to the end of kind of the, the fun part of starting up, you know, being involved in a startup and looking for something fresh. And she was like, what should we do? And I was like, man, that's awesome. Let's just, just go. And it always been a dream to sort of be a beach bum and, <laughs> and do nothing. And, um, and we kind of got, you know, through the America's Cup thing, got set up on the beach in Valencia, on the Mediterranean. It was just kind of like this dream for, for a bit. But after, after about three months of just kind of being a beach bum and going to, I was going to Spanish school, learning how to speak Spanish. It was actually, there's got to be more to life than this. Like it was kind of weird. It was always this dream to kind of do nothing. <laughs> And, and then got chatting to my brother and a couple of his mates back in New Zealand. And they were kind of working on some business ideas and, and this idea of a website builder. And, and with my background and sort of product, it was like, actually, we can, can help with that. And then we just sort of started working on, on this business. So I'm probably a bit different to, I guess, some, a lot of tech companies where they go out and get the funding. And this is back 2008. And the idea of kind of going and getting funding was, that was foreign to us. And we we're just like, actually, let's just see if we can build it. And, make a business out of it and then that was 2008 we started building and launched in 2009 and then kind of gone on from there yeah so left in, my day job so in 2008 he started a business which was quickly if i'm wrong wasn't it the global crisis financial crisis back then too so tricky time <laughs> That, that's right and like people are saying we could be running into tricky times now and i'm like well that's kind of when when we started and i guess when you start a business in, in those times, and they were sort of crazy times, but actually if you're really focused on you know, your customers and, and what's the business opportunity, it kind of makes you sort of pretty laser focused on, on what your business is about. And in saying that, it's, it's evolved over time, but yeah, launching in the middle of a financial crisis, we did. And to be fair, like our first month, we got one customer paying us 50 bucks a month. So between four people, that's kind of, yeah, <laughs> there's not even two minute noodles. Two minute material. noodles <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then the next cust next month, we got a couple of customers and then it kind of went on from there. And those kind of that very first um, customer, minthair.co.nz is still um, a, a client today, you know, a part-time wedding hairdresser doing weddings on the weekend around her day job. And now, you know, kind of that's that two business. So yeah, kind of, you can, you can do it. Um, and I guess like the fortunate thing is where my wife still ha had a great job and, and we're all kind of still, I, I didn't have a job. I was just working on rocket spark sort of funded through, through her and the other guys had sort of part-time jobs or were studying. Um, but yeah, you can, you can do it, but nerve wracking so, at times. So what was your first ever job? What was the first time you ever got paid for something? Well, it probably is dad love contracts. Um, yep. being, a, being a truckie, he loved contract jobs. And so we kind of got you know, a contract for chipping thistles. We just had a little you know, 20 sheep and three acres and that all here. But probably the first proper employed by someone outside of um, the family um, sort of pocket money type jobs was with Rollo's Marine in, in Hamilton. So just helping the mechanics, sweeping the floor, putting motors onto boats. And then the, the favourite part was kind of when they'd fixed the, the boat was taking it down the river. And I was kind of like the, you know, drop the boat in the water and then go for a black down the river and mm. um, make sure it was all working. So yeah, that was kind of the first time we actually got pay slip and you know, cash in a little envelope. You know, sort of showing my <laughs> age now getting, <laughs> getting getting cash with a little pay slip, but yeah, I thought it was Christmas. And that was just um 
yeah, between sort of finishing school and, and off to university. Uh, yeah, so first, first proper outside the family paid job, I guess. So in 2008, you started Rocket Spark along with your brother, you said, and someone else. What is two Rocket Spark? Mates. Yeah. What, yeah, what yeah is two it? of Jeremy's mates. So Rocket Spark is a website builder platform that mm -hmm. non-technical people can use to create their own website. For, you know, and our target market is, is small businesses. And over time, like over the last few years, we, we start, well, I think it was about 2016, we started getting graphic designers saying, actually, my clients are using this and I'd like to use it for, for my clients. And we started getting designers using it. And that's become sort of a real focus for us is, is this design community and sort of creating a platform for designers for them to create websites for, for their clients. And, and it's kind of moved on to be much more really than just providing software. It's about providing a, you know, helping them be better in their business. So it's kind of dawned on us that it was not just about a platform. It's helping people, these designers where a lot of them are operating solo, kind of don't have colleagues to turn to for advice and ideas and, and sort of wrapping a, you know, a community. And it's happened really organically where it wasn't sort of just kind of people started saying, hey, this is what we should, you know, we love using it for our clients. And then we got together and had this kind of event and people found it really helpful. And so now we, you know, um, COVID's kind of dampened the event side of things a bit, but we did one um, uh, last year, 2021, I think it was, yeah, 2021. And you know, about a hundred of these designers all came together and we just kind of helped them and they helped us. And yeah, it's a really nice community of people. Where did your passion for building a company like this start from? So, like, it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're in a global financial crisis. So 2008, and so now we're 2022. So that's quite a long time that you've been in the business. So how did it start? And then I suppose, how's it evolved over the years? Yeah, I guess growing up with, with mum and dad running, running their own business, I saw you know, how hard they worked, but I also saw the freedom that they had. You know, like I'd, I'd sneak home from school and watch the NBA, you know, when I was, I was at high school and dad would, you know, at that stage his business had progressed and he wasn't driving, but he was at home having lunch with mom and watching a bit of NBA or whatever as, as well. And, and, you know, he still worked really hard, but I saw that freedom. And so I liked that idea of, of running a business. And then at Vodafone working there, I, I liked the idea of subscriptions. It kind of mm -hmm. introduced me to the idea of recurring revenue where, so you get a, a million customers spending 40 or 50 bucks a month. That's kind of 40 or $50 million a month. And it's kind of you know, not just about the money. And actually over time, it's become much less about the money. But I like the idea of you build kind of infrastructure and invest in, in creating something. And then you've got that kind of sort of recurring revenue that doesn't necessarily rely on you turning up every day of the week. And you know, I, I love surfing and skiing and kind of sports and you know just getting into mountain biking kind of learn, learning that and and I love the idea of sort of creating a, a business that created the freedom to kind of do those things and didn't rely on you turning up every day and and yeah we, we really service focused business and we do need to 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 be on the clock and and turn up to look after customers but I guess that was a real motivation to sort of create subscription and then when sort of Jeremy and Richard and Lee were kind of working on this idea. I was like, actually, yeah, great. It's kind of a subscription. It's, we didn't even, we're so naive. We didn't even sort of sit down and go, actually, flip. Website Builders is possibly one of the largest markets for small business software 
in the world or you know nothing as sophisticated as that it's like you know jeremy was a designer um richard worked at torpedo seven and one day kind of working in their web team and lee was studying i think it was like a digital business kind of degree and we kind of just worked as a, it was a really nice thing in terms of complementary sort of skill sets you know, and me with taking products to market and we just kind of started building it and see if it would work so i don't know if you'd find that in a business textbook about how to do it but that's kind of what we did so are the three of you still in the business now yeah yeah we are yeah still still active um jeremy leads the sort of design and marketing um and then richard leads the development side and and lee's you know fully in the development side and looks after kind of systems and and mm -hmm. and that sort of thing as well so yeah when sort of chatting remember we went out to dinner one night with a, a cto of like a really large new zealand company and he was like it's flipping amazing that your you know four founders are still all together and you know and working in the business and I guess we've kind of, I guess the founding thing was that respect for each other's abilities in their area. Mm. That that kind of Jeremy, you know, fanatical designer, really fussy about getting it just right for for the customers and and for himself. And then Lee and Richard just sort of really good problem solvers from the the development point of view. So there was kind of, I guess, that those complementary skill sets as a founding team was was really helpful to just. And also we've kind of learned over time. That actually it was better and i learned a lot of this from my wife is actually to have the, the difficult conversations kind of early on um and we haven't always been great at at doing that but kind of we've kind of learned that and that's kind of helped in terms of having you know where we are ticking each other off is to kind of talk about it um a bit earlier and, and we're kind of generally people that just want to get on with each other so that can be difficult at times um but yeah that's that's helped so how what's the split of your client base now are you, are you calling clients or customers or, or partners um is it mainly around new zealand or is it real global uh we're, we're in about 30 countries um yeah. and but that's kind of you know some of those countries are kind of like ones and twos but our main markets are new zealand australia and the uk mm -hmm. and it's probably about 70 percent new zealand and mm -hmm. then the and then the kind of the split between um uk and australia in terms of where we've kind of officially kind of launched and then australia and the uk it's like you know you're paying pounds or australian dollars and it's kind of geared up for them and even our, our customer success team they're kind of working i think from eight to seven so there's actually a reasonable overlap particularly with the australian market and at least it's kind of not so miserable for our uk clients and we we kind of we yeah you know, we kind of blended a bit between clients and customers, but I like the idea, even though they're kind of maybe just signing up and using the software, and we, we may not ever engage with them. I like that mindset of them being clients. That there's actually a responsibility over and above just a customer. I kind of learned I learned that from a company that I, my last job actually was for a company in the UK. It's an American company, but sort of the UK division called and it was called Geek Squad, and it was about helping people with their home IT and. And they always referred to clients as the people that they were helping. And I kind of like that idea. And it's, we haven't ever formalized it. Maybe we should, but it's sort of, you know, we do sort of blend it a bit. And I like that idea of a client. So in 2008, you started, and I'm assuming that you would have had some sort of plan then, um, or some sort of plan. And then how has that evolved from now? So what's the plan now? And what's the difference between what it was in 2008 to what it is now? yeah yeah it's it's kind of the original idea of just creating a beautifully simple website builder um 
that kind of has stayed the course through the whole time. And and right in the early days of when we started chatting about this idea, we went and tested a bunch of them. We we Googled website builder and there's already a lot there. And we went and tested kind of the top 10 in Google in the UK and top 10 in Google in New Zealand because it shows different results sort of geographically. And what we found was that actually they were quite difficult to use. The systems were, were, were not simple and and you couldn't get good help. And the end result kind of looked like you probably shouldn't have made your own website. And that was kind of the founding kind of vision was that we create something that was really simple, really great support, and it guided you towards best practice. And that's kind of flowed through. But what's changed over time is we started, and through my sister-in-law, that really good good chef worked with a guy, Michael Meredith, who was one of New Zealand's top chefs. And we said, hey, Michael, well, um, you know, would you like to use Rocket Spun? He's like, well, not 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 for myself, but would you design it for me? And I'd love for my team to just be able to really easily update the menus and because you know, fine dining restaurant, they're changing the menus constantly. Mm. And so we're like, okay. And so we actually designed the website for for him. And then I think it was the following year, his restaurant won restaurant of the year. And then and then his friend Sid um, uh, had Siddharth, which was, and then I think it was like the next year or the year after he kind of won Restaurant of the Year. And that kind of flowed through that where this idea of designing websites and they paid us to design, you know, people would, would pay us. And that was kind of like our venture capital was getting this these funds to kind of design websites for people. And and then we started getting these designers and they were like, hey, could we use this for our clients? And I was like, hey, that's awesome. Like, yeah, why not? And and I think it was about 2016, we launched a portal for these designers where they could manage all of their clients from one place. So a single login, they could click in. And, and, and when we launched that, the partner business started to really accelerate. And then we started to learn about community quite organically. And so that's kind of grown. And that's our focus. And so I think it was like 2018 or 2019. So still fairly recently, we stopped doing designing websites altogether and just became a pure um, software company. And it's kind of even probably in the last couple of years, we've just gone, right, that's the, you know, we love working with these designers. They help the clients. We help them run better businesses. And it's just this lovely business model where we get to help them in business. They're not actually even buying something for us from us. It's their clients. And, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it's evolved yeah. over time. So it's kind of like there's a consistent thread through, but the actual business model and our sort of focus it, it has evolved just from you know listening to people and looking at the opportunity that was um, that was there. And by I guess walking in the shoes of a designer, we learned a lot about the pain points of getting content out of a client, what happens when they don't pay, cash flow shortages, and and we really refined our process. Where I think at, at, at its peak, we're doing over thirty websites at a time. As and that part of our business was kind of like probably two point five people, which is kind of yeah, a massive lot of projects, but would refine the process mm. so much that it that it was workable. And even back then as a little business, it was probably worth about a quarter of a million dollars of of revenue, which was quite a hard thing to say goodbye to. But those one-to-one account management relationships were just sort of much less scalable than sort of the software platform that we wanted to sort of create in the community um, that we're building. So I've heard you mention the word process a couple of times. So I just question, how do you document your processes from, and how has that changed from when you, when you first started to what you do now? 
Yeah, so in the early days, it was like in a spreadsheet, which is actually kind of a bit of a pain in the butt. And then we started learning about project management sort of software. And we started with with Basecamp, and now we use Asana. And, and we learned about templating our processes. So when we would design websites, there was probably about a 30 or 40 point sort of checklist of things that we went through. And they were just things that you just forget to do and go, oh, we forgot to check. Does the client <laughs> actually have the login to their domain name? And then you go yep. to go live and they're like, oh, I don't know who owns, you know, mm. who has the login. I don't know, do I own my domain? And and so, so we're actually like, okay, we need to ask that question early on. Let's put that right early on in terms of the sort of the pre-conversation. And so we actually sort of created this, this massive sort of checklist. And while it seemed like, you know, quite onerous, actually by having a checklist of things to do, we go through, it actually was, was easy. And the same with when someone, would upgrade their so the DIY they'd have a trial website and they'd go to upgrade and we'd probably had like a, a 20 to 25 point checklist of like we'd go off and we'd manually register the domain like we'd plug in our card details and register the domain and behind the scenes and set up recurring billing and um, all these things and then just over time as we grew and you st- when you're getting like one customer a month it doesn't really matter <laughs> and then you're getting two a month and then three a month and then you're getting three a day and and and, and onwards so then we now we we don't have a checklist for that because it's all now automated through through software but we're now equipping our, our partners with sort of the things that that we learned and we've actually turned it into an academy now we're, we're creating a we've created a rocket spark academy where we're just sharing what we've learned and kind of best practice and and actually some of our experienced partners of rocket spark are now actually kind of the professors of of the academy and just in a beautiful way sharing what they know sort of through a structured learning program but yeah having getting the process right um it helped us a huge amount and, ha- and using a tool like asana and the developers use jira for all their kind of you know their development processes and and bugs and it's kind of a matter of getting the right software and probably a key point on that is or key learning for people starting a business and, and growing a business is in the early days we were kind of didn't want to spend anything on software and even like Zero was kind of getting going, you know, had, had some traction and I was like, oh, I can do it in Excel and being a former accountant, you kind of learned a bit about Excel. And then after doing a few GST returns and trying to find a transaction and it just kind of didn't work, I was like, oh, there's got to be a better way and signed up for Zero, And and it was like, oh, flip, this is awesome. You know, it just saved me so much time. I could see how we were progressing good. <laughs> through the month. And like back then, like 50 bucks a month or whatever it was, and we had to get like the multi-currency version. So it was like maybe 60 or whatever. I was like, oh, that's every month going out. But yeah, and now you know, we spend you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month on software licenses for different very specific tools, but they just make our life easier and, and help us keep the standards for... Um, customers high so yeah definitely mm. i'd encourage people just to make that investment in software and watch your time like as a small business owner that's the biggest constraint this time and if the software helps you it's like yeah spend the money yeah, mm. if you can. it does start adding up though so i'd like to think that i'm i'm at the infancy stage of of intrinsic events the company so i sort of went all in on the end of may so coming up to a year and it's been a tricky year i suppose as well too with events but but when you start thinking about Canva, your um, um, Canva, I use Grammarly as well because I'm terrible at typing. Um, zero, 
um, StreamYard, all these things that you pay a monthly fee, and it starts to it does start to add up. You're like, oh wow, I spent fifteen thousand dollars on subscriptions this year. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not saying like one of the early ones also was getting a support ticketing system, and because our early kind of founding principles, as I mentioned, was about really great service and support for the customers, and, and we just had a shared inbox like mm. support at Rocket Spark. And someone might be busy and they go, oh, I've got an email and they go and check it and open it and then not reply. And then someone else would come along and go, oh, that's already open. So I must be dealing with mm. it. And then you drop it all and you miss that that one customer. And over their lifetime could be worth, you know, even though they're paying us now sort of in New Zealand dollars, like $39 a month, I'll, you know, the lifetime that they'll spend will be several thousand dollars because our retention is really good. And, mm. and so to lose one customer because we've dropped the ball on support, it's easily paid for the, um, you know, we use Zendesk as a support ticketing system and it's flipping oh, yeah. expensive, um, but it's kind of good. Like it kind of does what we need and we're kind of, you know, always reviewing kind of what, what, what we're doing. But yeah, this just to be able to look after people really well, it was worth the investment. So, yeah. I've got a good, a good question that just came into my mind. What was your first hire? Because you had you had your core group that started it from the founder. How did you figure out we we need this person? This is the first person we need to hire, or did you do something different? Yeah, so it was kind of we needed some help with um with development, and mm -hmm. and one of our friends um, or one of the guys' friends um he had a bit of capacity in, in what he was doing, and he was kind of I don't think he was he was full time with us, and then our first kind of kind of. And then we had a student join us, Matt, um, and that was kind of like he was just actually funny story with Matt is he approached us and said, "Hey, I'm studying at Waikato University. Can I come and do some part time work?" And we're like, uh, "Yeah, we'd love that, but we don't have any money to to pay you for this job." And um, but he was just keen for some work and you know actually volunteered and and um, so we're kind of not really in the sort of unpaid internship thing so much. But back then it was like he's just keen for experience and we were keen for help i think within two months he was he was invoicing us for his hours of what he'd done because he just created value through mm. that time and then probably the first sort of chunky hire i guess was um a guy greg wallace who came in as um sort of account manager to to manage those kind of design and build projects and be our customer support person and then his role over time evolved into um sort of partner manager type role and looking back like in terms of having that kind of sales focused role, I wish we'd done that much earlier, just because, you know, with having him coming in and he'd go out to the local networking groups and Chamber of Commerce and old school kind of BNI networking mm -hmm. groups. And just from, you know, when you look like ripples in a pond, you look at kind of where we're based in Cambridge and it's kind of the ripples sort of spread out and so much of our business, most of our business comes from word of mouth referral. So having someone on the ground, building those relationships and, and now it's just such a strong, sort of foundation that our business is built on because it's built through relationships rather than just some unknown software but yeah, it's I mean, scary when you try <laughs> and pay someone on yeah. sort of 39 dollar month subscriptions yeah, yeah. And, and and the job that you feel that oh, i can do that job but i just don't have the time oh, that's, that's it, I do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah i can understand that and that's sort of where my head's at at the moment um i'm going to move into a different sort of theme of questions and it's really about the the um the benefits of websites let's say so what's the easiest way to get more traffic to a website 
Yeah, because like, that's an easy if question. You're, if you're in small business, you'll get people ringing up and going, "Yeah, I'll get you to the top of top of Google." And and most <laughs> people normally run a mile because if anyone actually truly knows, but probably the easiest way is to write good content on really specific topics. Mm-hmm. So probably a great example is my wife and I. We used to run a um, uh, with with another couple like an online pet um, pet food and sort of store and. And we just wrote really, really specific blog posts on really specific topics about mm. the type of products, you know, which of this type of product should I choose? And even in our own business, we've written blogs, say, for example, um, the importance of a good about us page on your website. And it's quite a long kind of obscure phrase. And for many years, we were getting a huge amount of traffic. You know, I think we started this content program in like 2013. And for years and years and years, that blog just consistently delivered. And, and one that's working pretty well now is, can I see who's visited my website? Can I know who that person is? And there's some tools you can use, but as a rule, you kind of, you know, you don't have that much visibility. But there are some techniques you can do to find out. So we've written a blog on um, sort of yes and no. And, and we get a lot of traffic just through that really specific topic. So as a small business, you're really expert in your in your field of expertise and you're probably day in, day out, you're answering people's questions. Right? So think about what are the top 10 questions that you just are, are always asked when someone rings up? It might be how much does it cost to get a driveway put in or build a fence or um, you know, um, what should I be charging for haircuts or you know, natural and you play hair salon, you know, benefits of natural hair care products or mm. just be really really specific and answer the questions that people are searching for and google love really specific answers and quality answers so probably yeah just writing and really good content really good answers to people's questions and having those on on your website and then when you have a really good answer and you have another really good answer on a similar topic is link those articles together so then you're building up this overall picture that you're really expert in 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 that if i was to focus on one thing that would make my website perform better and you've already mentioned blog posting but what if i'm terrible at writing um what should it be i'd probably if i was going to do one thing it would be really focusing on, on getting my homepage right um we've actually got a good little article and I'm, you know, this is not a plug for RocketSpark, but rocketspark.com forward slash roadmap. And we just go through kind of five, um, five kind of essentials of an effective homepage. And I just really focus on getting that homepage essentials. And it's just like, rather than saying, welcome to my website, it says, you know, say what you do in your main heading, you know, mm. running cool and innovative events in Aotearoa, you know, it's like, say what you do. And so it goes through those things. So, because so much of business in New Zealand is done through word of mouth, and then people will often check out a website before making contact, and the first place they'll land is the homepage. I just focus on making that homepage just really clear about what you do, why people would choose you. Don't just say what you do. It's like why, why would I engage you for events? And like in your instance, it's like yeah, amazing events, and you've got sort of you know the, the stories there of successful events, and and I think. Um, yeah, the why. And so just, yeah, I'd hone in on the homepage and getting that flow really, really working well. And then that supports if you're starting to get some traffic through your search engine optimization, often they're going to be landing on the homepage and then focus on building up the other pages. 
What is your definition of search engine optimization? Well, I guess with with Google being you know, the lion's share of the search kind of engine market, it's ultimately it's kind of getting to the top of you know, Google or or to Bing, and and it's basically optimizing your site. And I think it's like there's several hundred factors that go into ranking well. And as someone like writing great content is is one of the really important ones, but it's actually doing a whole lot of things well and i find kind of in business and, and in life generally is so the difference between ordinary and excellent is often in the detail of just doing the little things extra well and better than the other person so kind of looking at your competition if you can just be that that bit better and your website just loads that that bit faster and you do have just the keywords just in there a bit more and you do have the links kind of um linking through but it is it's not one magic formula. It's just being really kind of fastidious or detailed in terms of working through. And we actually, we have a really good guide, kind of, I guess, mm -hmm. if you Googled something like Rocket Spark SEO guide, we kind of, and we've done sort of classes mm -hmm. on that and always happy to share what we know. But it is a collection of doing things well. We'll make sure that we um, put all those links into the show notes. So, so if you're listening to this in Audible or spotify or apple podcasts and you want to get those links check the show notes because they'll be in there what is a, a factor that slows down websites uh probably the, one of the biggest things is um is actually just the the size of the, the con like the images and the video content um mm -hmm. the plugins as well like some of the like like facebook have like a chat widget and sort of mailchimp have like email pop-up things like those things do also just the infrastructure of your kind of your website platform and we actually went through like when google announced um i think it was like 2020 um i think the world's gone hazy and the, you know getting my times right in 20 2021 so it all blended in but i think it was 2020 where they announced that speed was going to be a you know, a really strong ranking factor for for how well your website would rank and we undertook a project where we just wanted to, to smash it out of the park in terms of be super fast and what, one thing we learned was that actually a way to be super fast is have nothing on your website, um, but then your website's not actually going to convert because you know, there's nothing there. You know, and, Blank pages. And enough, Google's website is just a, you know, a search box and you know, some cool mm. pictures from time to time. But um, yeah, it, so we set about this project of just improving the speed and we realized that our standard that we set for ourselves in terms of what we want to achieve was, was actually really, really tough and just kind of impossible to achieve. And then we're like, we thought, well, actually, what we want to achieve is we just need to be better than than the others because if search engine optimization is about being better than the others is you know as long as we're better and so we actually benchmarked against a lot of the you know the big companies where we basically built the same website on rocket spark and um probably shouldn't name them but you know kind of you'll know the names are big you know big international companies and we built the same sites and our goal was just to be to make sure that we were better on on all of those um mm. sites and also when people migrated across from those platforms onto RocketSpark, we also did a before and after test. And and that's where we finished up, just because we really, really honed in on on making our websites fast, just to give people that sort of hidden advantage when they don't even realize it. And things like we do, again, sorry, it sounds almost like in sales mode, but it's just stuff that we do to make the sites fast. Is like when you upload an image and you might upload like a five megabyte image, behind the scenes, we'll actually say, slice that up into different sizes that actually is the optimal size for for the site just to kind of speed things up because 
yeah, you see it's a classic one on a WordPress site where you upload this kind of image and it sits there on the site as like a five five megabyte image, which just takes forever to um, to load versus when it actually on a website, you know, 100, 200 kilobytes might might actually be fine. Mm, just make it a bit smaller. So did you, did you say that your site, uh, Rocket Spark, automatically compresses it down to a size that's more suitable for um, for the a website? Yeah, that's right. When someone uploads a picture, um, mm. we actually kind of slice that image up into different different sizes so that as you kind of drag and drop and move it around, it, it might you might drag it to a bigger column to see how it looks. It'll do a slightly bigger image. and then But behind the scenes, it's actually kind of doing like different sort of sizes in terms of the I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm doing in terms of technical stuff. I'm not technical, but you know, in terms of the kilobyte or megabyte size of the image, it actually reduces reduces down to suit what you need. That makes sense. Um, say when you're using MailChimp or something like that as well, you upload an image into there and it'll say, this image is too large. I think you should think about reducing the size of this image. And then you just say, okay. And then it will give you the, the five options of whether you want it square, whether you want it 9 by 16 or whatever, whatever. Um, ratio you, you needed it and to make it so that when someone goes to open your, that email, it's not going to think about how to open it because that's when you're just going to get people not watching it or reading your content. Yes. Um, the other question is that um, there's two, I've got two more questions about the technical parts and then I've got a, a couple of questions about the you part. But one other yeah, one is that sure. um, websites, I, I normally look at websites on my phone. So do you, um, and I, I don't know what the percentage globally is about um, um, uh, mobile optimized websites or making sure that they read well on a mobile. But do you have any insights into um, when you're setting up your website on your laptop, think about what it's going to look like on your phone as well? Uh, absolutely. And a lot of designers now are designing kind of mobile first. They look at how does it look on, on mobile and then we're back. Like, I've got an update that you'll help my sister-in-law and, and her husband, and Mick and Caden, they've run a really cool bakery in Mount Monganui called Elspa. And I get a report of how their website's going each month from Google. And I think it was like 78% of the bakery traffic is coming on mobile because mm -hmm. people coming on holiday or you come out at least find a cafe or bakery. And, and yeah, so if you're not optimized for mobile, and, and often it's just the little details of like a font that might look nicely, kind of a nice size on desktop, and it gets onto mobile, and the sentence kind of wraps onto five lines and it looks massive. And, and so oh, and they put a hyphen in it, a hyphen in a word. It's, yeah. Like, oh, what are you doing there? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it just looks, um, it just looks naff and, and, um, and people want to, you know, they're scrolling with a thumb. So what does it look like in terms of your images? And it's something we've really focused on over the last few years is, is that mobile experience that you could actually customize what the mobile experiences it, it automatically kind of creates a mobile site but it's sometimes it's just tweaking that that font for a heading just down you know a few points and and mm. um and just Making creating that, that experience rather than truncating it into two bits yeah yeah mm. yeah it's just yeah so it's pretty key and so it's something that you know is kind of becoming quite a strength which we didn't actually realize because we kind of just hope hone in on what we do mm. more so than actually looking at can competitors as such and but it was pretty cool when we started getting the feedback coming through that our mobile experience was the reason that some designers were moving across was just that it was better so yeah so it's pretty cool mm. what do you think about voice um in terms of searching for voice because like when i'm driving this is me driving google 
tell me where the closest cafe is <laughs> directions start and then i go there so um what are your thoughts on um optimizing for voice yeah something I'll, I'll i'll admit that i'm fairly naive on but you can see with the likes of you know siri and alexa and um I'm actually currently doing a little project with um, the son of friends of ours whose um, their son is is blind. You know, sort of had sort of deteriorating vision and now is 100% blind. And and um, and and actually got him to do a review of of the Elspeth Bakery website they just said. And and it was kind of so fascinating to see you know his experience even as a, like using screen reading software mm. and what his experience is like. Man, we've got to learn um, about you know, great experience but it was cool seeing that when he started reading the descriptions about some of nick's products and it was just going yum you know which mm. is kind of like yeah he was actually digesting what was there so yeah i think it's something to, to really learn about but from my basic understanding it seems like the same principles that you'd apply to to search engine optimization in terms of getting like the keywords and telling google what a page is about um kind of those same principles apply in terms of getting you know clear content and Having the keywords that people are searching for and the and the headings um, in there seem pretty key. Mm. So if you're in Tawamuru, Cambridge, it would make sense to say the best coffee in Cambridge <laughs> or coffee in Cambridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boom. Because it'll come yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But think about what are those things that people be searching for and wanting to find. And and there's a ways you can craft that and say, you know. We think we're the best coffee <laughs> in Cambridge or Te Aumutu or, or whatever. Yeah, and, and you could even make fun with it, but you're kind of getting the words. And not just one time. It's how could you repeat that phrase sort of two or three times? Mm. Don't do it 10 times because then Google's like, ah, oh, actually, they're just being dicks in terms of <laughs> they call it keyword stuffing. Keyword just stuffing. Try <laughs> just smash it in. And then it's like, well, actually, the quality of the content's not good. And it's a, it's a process of just continual experimentation in terms of um yeah checking it out cool a few more questions what has been your most significant learning during the journey of um rocket spark yeah this is one where I've, i wish probably had um read the questions uh <laughs> <but> pro probably <laughs> honesty <laughs> probably, is the, there you go <laughs> I, 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 yeah probably honesty is a key value with people you know in authenticity uh would be actually kind of believe and i guess that's the way we've run our business is that we expect to be believed because of the way we, we conduct ourselves and, and, and run our business. Um, but probably it's just that continual, just really wanting to understand the customers and what makes them tick. Just where I was explaining before about how our business has evolved over time, that's from just paying attention to what people are telling us. And, and often it's not just at that, at that top level of what they've told you, is why have they told you that? And then, why did they say that yeah and so it's it's actually delving into that deep insight because i think the hard part is truly understanding like say in our case why why are these designers coming to rocket spark what why is it that they prefer that and you know there's there's various reasons but it's getting right to that deep insight for them is you know actually they want to design beautiful things you know that's probably the most important thing for them so how do we how do we then improve our design tools Mm. And and they're also it's a lonely business in terms of running your own design business because you know everything you create is out for someone to critique. You know it's not hidden when when you're a visual designer. And so how do we create a community that truly helps them 
achieve that first kind of goal of designing better, but also that remove some of that loneliness. Um, yeah, so I think just those, just continually just understanding your customers. The team kind of crack up, you know, when a customer, we don't sort of get too many house calls, but every now and then a customer will come in, like a locksmith came in, one of the team had lost the key that sort of chained their, their laptop to the desk. The local locksmith came in and, you know, I was kind of all over him like a rash in terms of, how's your website going? What's what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, and he was cracking up because, you know, his website was ranking well, he'd invested in just spending the time. And he says like, yeah, man, it's amazing. I get so many inquiries through my website and not just in Cambridge, it's, you know, all around the Waikato from, mm-hmm. from this website. And he's, he's kind of chuckling it that he'd discovered the, the formula. Um, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so, yeah, so connecting with the customers and understanding them. What advice would you give someone who has a business idea, but they have, they're sort of sitting on the fence. They haven't plucked up that courage to, to take the step from their safety net of their career into the the unknown, let's say. And uh, even though it was like 2008, 2009 for us, it's still, that's still very fresh. And <laughs> probably there's probably a couple of things. One is to go out and talk to your friends and family, like people that you trust that would give you a frank opinion. And, and just see what they say. And you can still got to weigh up those opinions because you'll get plenty of people going, oh, that'll never work. And you know, if we'd listened to the people that have told us there's already you know, some pretty good website builders out there, we probably would have given up. But just by going out and talking to people and understanding the pain points, like actually the existing ones were just a bit difficult to use and the support was crap. So there's an opportunity there. And then probably the second part is then just actually believe that you can actually do it. Just no, don't die wondering actually just take that first step and 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 give it a crack and i probably in some ways took a softer path in that you know i was fortunate my wife had a great job you know when she was at the america's cup and then i still had a day job once we returned to, to london from spain and and um but then it was that time to to take that step and leave behind the the pension and the bonus and healthcare and kind of those sorts of things and it was just that belief that yeah i think we can do it and it's uh, let's let's really go after it so yeah i guess that taking that leap of faith that you know back yourself and we get to see across thousands of, of businesses and kind of almost dangerous saying this kind of in something recorded but you know they all have different levels of abilities some are you know super like bright and other ones are kind of maybe maybe not so much but they're they're passionate and they're expert in their area of expertise and they'll craft really successful businesses because it's what they know and they'll look after the customers and provide a great service. And you know, that's that's a good formula for success. What content do you consume to escape? Or what 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 do you do? You said you surf, you just started mountain biking. What other sort of things or is there a way that you like to learn? Yeah, uh, in terms of learn, like sort of I love learning about how things are made and how business like businesses start and mm-hmm. and so kind of like the how I built this type type things, those sort of podcasts. I, I really enjoy because like, we're a SaaS business, which means software as a service. So we provide the software as a service to other people and they pay subscriptions. And I enjoy it when we get together with other kind of SaaS businesses. And through kind of NZTE, they run a, a meetup of um, of SaaS businesses. And I actually I fly up to Auckland. I'm based in Pakamara in the Bay of Plenty. And I'll actually fly up to Auckland and because they'll but one of the streams is like a CEO meetup. And and I love just kind of learning from you know businesses that are you know 
how how they're going and what how approach what approaches they take. And something I'm I'm really intrigued by at the moment is through the COVID area era, we've kind of gone from I think twelve or thirteen people to you know, including the kind of professors and that sort of thing they're helping on the academy. It's kind of like twenty five or twenty six. So, and it, I'm learning that it's quite a different business. And it's kind of snuck up on me. And so I'm now curious in terms of meeting with CEOs and like, what does it look like at that business? And, and to lead is is something quite different than sort of 12 or 13 people where you could even ask all of them kind of, how was your weekend without it kind of taking up the whole day? Whereas, <laughs> you know, it just changes and you've got to learn how to, how to adapt um, at that. Because when you ask that question, I ask it for a reason. I want to, you know, I want to actually know how your working was. If they say good, I'm like, what do you mean good? What did you do? What did you yeah, what did you, <laughs> what did you, what did you do? Yeah, what, what, what makes you tick? And because you know, I'm based in Papmar and the team are in Cambridge, and I'll head over a couple of days a week, and kind of those days in the office, and I probably listen to this, some of them, but it's like, well, what the heck does that guy do? But a part of it is actually kind of learning about about them and learning about the business and what makes them tick and, and kind of the ups and downs of of life and and business. And I, I mean, something that um, Craig Hudson from Zero said that, you know, there's kind of no such thing as work-life balance because how you live, it, you know, work's a key chunk of your life that it's kind of, it's all integrated together and they're kind of not happy in your, in your work. That's a key chunk of your life that you're kind of, you're miserable about. And, and it's something in, in our purpose statement we actually talk about our, our purpose is to create a better life for small business owners, our partners, and the Rocket Spark team and the world around us. So it's actually the team, you know, and we're sort of not, you know, a lot of businesses, it's all about the customer. But for us, it's also we want that basically anyone that interacts with Rocket Spark, particularly as a team member, that their life is better for it. And then that flows out into how we you know, look after the customers and, and care for them and their business as well. Who do you think would be a great guest for this podcast? Who would be a great guest? Yeah, this let's, let's be realistic because I've had some. I oh, used to get Brene Brown or Simon Sinek or something. I was like, man, I can't get those people on here. <laughs> and this, when I look, I look through our client list, and there's there's just some heroes that kind of they mm-hmm. they don't get the publicity and they just go about their business and create yeah you know, amazing landscapes or yeah probably even my sister in law Nick you know in terms of. You know, she gets up sometimes three o'clock in the morning and COVID, the ups and downs, and it's just just works so hard to create like the perfect croissant. And it's cool when you see something like a French person who you know, has mm-hmm. lots of opportunities for great croissants and baguettes and comes into Elspeth and then walks back in with a tear in their eye for a second. You know, it's kind of, oh, wow. <laughs> that's kind of, reminds me of home. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe like these kind of small business, that they're heroes, you know. You know, where they kind of, it's tough, like to run a business and put stuff out there and deal with the, you know, the miserable reviews when you're just actually running a, like a beautiful business and someone's, you know, you don't get a perfect, you know, hundred percent of the time, but that 1% of the time, you know, just happens to be that person that leaves you that bad review. And I don't know, it's just kind of, yeah, I think there's so many kind of just small business heroes that kind of, they just go about their business and, and make people's lives better and probably don't get the the profile. And I think there's so much to learn from from talking to to those little businesses and, and what they bring. So for a listener out there right now who is maybe they're already on a website or they have no website at all, how can they get in touch with your team? Uh, yeah, so 
websites rocketspark.com or if they're you know in New Zealand they can actually ring 0800 rocket and talk to us so that was our commitment right from day one is and even whether you're calling on a mobile which actually costs us a lot more if someone rings in on a mobile is our commitment is like if you need help you can actually talk to a real person mm-hmm. and that was kind of almost our, our guarantee to ourselves that we had to make it super simple because if everyone can ring us and spend a lot of time on the phone or just email in um that's support at rocketspark.com but yeah we love to talk to people and and help them so yeah because we make the phone available um, and also they can just sign up for a free trial and 30 day trial and just make a website. And if they like it or if they, they don't actually want to build it themselves, we can actually connect them with designers all around New Zealand. And to be honest, the businesses that the businesses that have invested in engaging a professional to help them, generally they're more successful in what they do. So it might seem daunting to sort of spend several thousand dollars to get someone and this is from me as someone that's created this website builder that you could build your own but if Mm. you can be brave enough and say that you're a builder and you invest in your website and you get one more house to build Mm. that's hundreds of thousands of dollars and yeah probably you know make a if you make a good margin on it you've paid for your website properly for your life um it's probably worth investing and look at it from a business case um point of view mm. so yeah actually don't be shy to engage experts to to help you because we see time and time again those that do are generally more successful in what they do engage social media experts paid digital marketing experts and if you, you know, start little and build it up and yeah it's really cool to see that when the people do invest in engaging expert help yeah they can succeed so much better and faster Grant, this has been an awesome chat. I appreciate it. I know we have run way over your your hard out time, which was 11, 11.30 now. But I'll, I'll let you go. I um, appreciate your time. Uh, and um, I'll make sure that there's links to um, Rocket, 0800 Rocket, and, but if, please call from the landline, um, <laughs> and, and rocketspike.com as well. Um, um, so you can check out all those blogs that um, Grant's been chatting about as well but anyway for me to you thank you so much for your time we do appreciate it I know you're a busy guy and you have a great day thanks Craig yeah really great questions it's been fun really enjoyed it thank you thank you so much for tuning in to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast did you know that we actually have a physical event in Auckland New Zealand this year the 8th and 9th of November at the Vodafone Event Centre. For more details, jump onto our website, which is nzsmefestival.com. Otherwise, you have an epic day. Keep being awesome and be kind to someone today. Thank you.